welcome. I felt completely safe inside my home, and I had no reason to fear. Uh, and so I enjoyed those uh, events. And then I bought a house. <laughs> uh, and now uh, I confess that I struggle sometimes to resist fear of these big thunderstorms. Uh, not because I'm worried for my personal safety, uh, but because I'm afraid for my house. Uh, I own this thing. I am responsible now for this thing. Uh, and if something is damaged, I know that I need to take care of it. And things really can go wrong in a big thunderstorm to your house. Isn't that right, Peter? Uh, <laughs> trees really do fall down. Siding really is torn off the side of the house. And I am utterly out of control. I have no control over what happens in that situation. And it's one thing to be unafraid of a thunderstorm when you're a child and you don't really have anything at stake. You don't really have anything to lose. But what about when you're faced with the reality of things that can go wrong and the reality that you are totally out of control? That's a very real question when we're faced with these uncontrollable forces. And the answer to that question can be found by asking ourselves another question. Where is my faith? Well, today we're going to read Luke 8, 22 through 39, which is on page 813 if you have one of the church Bibles. And we're going to see two case studies of those who are around Jesus that are faced with very real danger at the hands of two uncontrollable forces. And as a result, they're going to be faced with this same question. Where is your faith? And this is going to reveal two very important truths. First, the first point on your outline, that faith is focusing on the right power. And second, your second point, that faith is deciding to obey Jesus rather than to reject him. So let's start by reading Luke 8, 22 through 25, and see that faith is focusing on the right power. One day, he, that's Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And, they, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake. And they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. And they ceased. And there was calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid. And they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even winds and water? And they obey him. 
In these verses, we see that failing to understand who Jesus is leads to focusing on the wrong power. The first important thing to note in this is that the disciples are in this situation in the first place because they were obeying Jesus. Verse 22 shows us that they set out on the lake because of Jesus' explicit instruction. But even in obeying Jesus, they are faced with this terrible windstorm. And as the boat is filling with water, they were in very real danger. It even says outright in verse 23, they were in danger. So their cry in verse 24, master, master, we are perishing, is not unfounded. Several of these men are professional fishermen who were no strangers to storms. But this one was bad. They were truly at the mercy of the storm. Completely out of control. Imagine you are standing on the deck of the Titanic. Watching the slow, inexorable slide of the ship into the freezing water. You know that there is nothing that you have, nothing that you can do that will prevent the icy water from claiming you. That would have been similar to the feeling of hopelessness that these men would have felt. Completely out of control. But then, Jesus rebukes the storm. He speaks. And his word is sufficient to demand that this uncontrollable storm submit. And so even though the disciples truly were out of control, it did not mean that the situation was out of control. Friends, Jesus was in control. And his power was absolute. The very wind and the waves obey him. And it's when the, it's when the disciples see that, as it tells us in verse 25, that they were really afraid. You thought you were afraid of an uncontrollable storm. But what about when you realize that there is a power so great that it can subdue even that uncontrollable storm? You suddenly realize that maybe you had your priorities confused. Maybe as bad as that storm was, you were focusing on the wrong thing. Friends, Jesus is something so much more than we realized. He is the one who was in control all along. And his power, his power, not the storm, is where we should have been focusing our attention. So why does Jesus ask the disciples, where is your faith? 
Because faith isn't about ignoring the powers that are seeking to destroy you. It's about focusing on the one whose power is even greater. This is such an important truth to get right in our understanding of faith. But it's so easy to get wrong. When we understand who Jesus is, who he really is, then we can focus on his power. Friends, that doesn't mean, faith doesn't mean pretending that the boat isn't really sinking. It means recognizing that if the boat sinks, the guy who is with you can take your hand and you can walk together across the water to the shore. Faith doesn't mean ignoring the very real threat of drowning. It means understanding that if you drown, Jesus can raise you to life again. But what if he doesn't? He is still in control. Always. He is the one who can accomplish what is impossible for us to accomplish. Faith doesn't mean that you blind yourself to the world. I won't lose my job. I can't have a miscarriage. My family will stay together. My home will be safe. Faith means understanding that the world answers to Jesus. And even if you experience storms, even if you are in direct obedience to Jesus... And you experience storms. His promise is that he will be with you. And he is in control. If I lose my job. If my child dies. If my family divorces. If my home is destroyed. Jesus is still in control. And that, friends, is why the disciples were afraid. They're now faced with someone totally outside of their experience. Who then is this that he commands even winds and water and they obey him? That is scary. And they are forced to make a decision about how they will respond to Jesus. But instead of giving us the details of the disciples' response, Luke moves on to the next section in the story. He gives us a parallel story. And he's addressing the same question, where is your faith? But he's going to expand the audience To show us a wider range of responses than just what we see from the disciples. So as we read verses 26 through 39, notice the similarities in these events. And consider again this question, where is your faith? And we'll see that faith is deciding to obey Jesus 
not reject him. Then they sailed to the country of Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes. He had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said in a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him to let him, let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told, and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and they found the man from whom the demons had gone. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Clothed. And in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of Gerasenes asked him to depart from them. Asked him to depart from them. For they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. These verses show us that in the face of Jesus' power, we have to choose to obey him or reject him. As soon as the disciples arrive, still reeling from their ordeal with this storm, they're faced with another manifestation of the uncontrollable. A man possessed by demons. Verse 27 shows that the man himself is at the mercy of these demons. He wears no clothes. He is forced to live out from a home among the tombs. He has no control even over his own body. 
And verse 29 makes it clear that even guards and chains and shackles weren't enough to control the demons that were within him. Just like this storm, these demons were truly dangerous and they were beyond the ability of anyone to control. Except for Jesus. Except for Jesus. The demons instantly recognize Jesus. Jesus, son of the most high God. The demons call him in verse 28. And they beg Jesus not to torment them. And then beg Jesus in verse 31 not to cast them into the abyss. And beg Jesus in verse 32 to let them enter a herd of pigs. The message is clear. These demons that could not be controlled by any earthly force can do nothing before Jesus but beg. All of their power, all of their strength is nothing to the son of the most high God. And so Jesus gave them permission and they entered a herd of pigs and it was destroyed. But the man was left in peace, sitting at the feet of Jesus, calm, just like the storm. Once again, Jesus does what no work of man could accomplish. He calms the uncontrollable. And the result of this incredible display of power, verse 37, all of the people of the area were seized with great fear. Just like the disciples, they were afraid at this demonstration of power. Just like the disciples, here is someone totally outside of their experience. But unlike the disciples, when these people were, feel, were seized by fear of Jesus, they asked him to depart from them. They asked him to leave. And so he got into the boat and he returned. He left. What a tragedy. This is truly a tragedy. Friends, fearing God isn't the problem. It's that fear that drives us to a fundamental decision. Either we draw near to Jesus and we obey him or we reject him and he will leave us to our own power. Those are the only two choices. And making that decision requires an act of faith. Faith that this God this Jesus, who is unlike anything that we have ever experienced, will make a way 
for us to draw near to him and to not be destroyed. The question is still, where is your faith? Is your faith in Jesus? The only person in either of these two stories who isn't afraid of Jesus' power is one man. Did you catch it? It was the man from whom the demons had gone. He is the only one with a full understanding of who Jesus is. And because of that understanding, his response isn't fear. In verse 38, it's to beg that he might be with Jesus. Where the disciples stay with Jesus despite their confusion. And the crowds reject Jesus and cast him out from among them. This guy, who was utterly at the mercy of demons until Jesus showed up, just wants to be with Jesus. He just wants to be with him. And that sounds a lot like faith. But faith in what? Why isn't he afraid of Jesus? Why isn't he afraid of the power like everybody else? The answer is right at the end of these verses, but it's subtle. Read verse 39 with me again. Jesus says, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. He understands that Jesus is God. Where is his faith? Why isn't he afraid? Why does he beg to be with Jesus? Because he understands that Jesus is God. And that Changes everything. That's why he can joyfully obey Jesus. Even when God's path for him isn't what he had hoped for. I find it ironic that there are two instances here of begging in this story. The first is the demons begging not to be sent into the abyss, but instead to enter into this herd of pigs in verse 31. And Jesus grants that request. The second is this man, now freed from demons, begging that he could be with Jesus. But this request, Jesus denies in verse 38. And he sends the man away. Of the two requests, why does Jesus grant the request of demons, but deny the request Of this man who just wants to be with him. The answer I think is the same. In both instances. So that Jesus may more greatly show his power. And that the good news of what God has done. Can go throughout the whole city. And beyond 
to the whole world. Jesus knew. Jesus is in control. He knew that releasing the demons into the pigs would lead to this exact story that we just read. He knew that sending the man away would lead to many more hearing the good news. Jesus is in control. I'll say it again. Jesus is in control. And he knew that even granting the request of demons leads to the word of the Lord being proclaimed when he is in control. And because the man had faith and he knew that Jesus is God, then I think that he joyfully obeyed as he went away from Jesus, spreading the word, even though he had denied him what he was begging for. Because he knew who Jesus is. Jesus is God. That is faith. So how does all of this apply? Accept that you must either reject Jesus entirely or put your entire faith in him. These are the only two options. You can't simply admire Jesus You can't try to be a good person like he taught. You either fully submit every aspect of your life into his hands. Or you reject him. You reject the only one who can calm the storm. And he will let you drive him away. If you reject him, he will let you and you will face those consequences on your own. Please don't reject Jesus. Please. It's not worth it. Yes, it's terrifying to face the fact that you are not in control of your life. Yes, it is terrifying that your fate is out of your hands and that it is in the hands of an uncontrollable God. But he is such a good God. He is so good. He brings life and salvation through faith. So where is your faith? Is it in Jesus? Then you can truly rest knowing that what he has planned is for your good. It is to fulfill your purpose to spread his word throughout the world. Even when he denies you what you may beg for. I've been convicted this week preparing for the sermon to reconsider What I ask God for. What do I beg him for? Do I really want what God wants? 
Do I desire more than anything to see the world hear the good news of Jesus? Salvation through Christ. Do I really desire to let him form me and shape me into the image of Jesus Christ? If Jesus answers my prayer, will it, will it result in salvation and eternal life and sanctification? Or will it result in me hiding just a little bit longer from a storm? Will I be okay if God sends my life in a direction that I did not prepare for? A different direction than I hoped for. Where is my faith? I pray that this week all of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ will seek to do His will more than our own. We will seek to see Him glorified more than ourselves. Jesus has given us, his church, the greatest assignment in history. To proclaim throughout the whole world his salvation. To proclaim how much God has done for us. How much Jesus has done for us. We cannot let anything hinder us from going where God sends us. Even, especially, if it isn't where we expect it to be. Because Jesus is in control. And Jesus is God. So we obey him because he is good. Everything he does is good. Even telling us to get in a boat and go into a storm. So let's live every moment of our lives like we believe that this is true. My faith is in Jesus, the Son of the Most High God. Where is your faith? Let's pray. Jesus, uh, we just confess, Lord, that we put our faith in so many things other than you. We put our faith in our education. We put our faith in our finances. God, we put our faith in how we can control situations. Lord God, every day we make ourselves God. And we are not Lord, I am not God. You are God. And Jesus, because of that, you are in control of my life. Lord, I pray that I would obey you like even the wind and the waves do. And Father God, that I would not reject you and send you away and say, I can handle this on my own. Lord, your power is amazing. And you are a good, good God. We thank you 
for sending your son Jesus to make a way that we can draw near to you and that you can save us, Jesus. In your name, Lord, we pray. Amen.